welcome to another edition of the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. This show is intended for all you entrepreneurs and small business people out there or people who want to become one. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The show has really two goals. First, to share helpful information and resources. I've made lots of mistakes. I've seen lots of mistakes. So if I can help some of you out there not make some of those same mistakes, then I've been successful. The second goal is to inspire. Sometimes being an entrepreneur is confusing. It's often lonely, I think. You have no idea whether you're on the right track or not. And sometimes it's helpful to hear a story or two of a fellow entrepreneur who's on the journey, who faced similar issues and listen to how they work through it. So every week I have guests on the show who are willing to share their stories and advice. My guest this week is Heather Wendler. She is the executive director and co-founder of an organization called the Doyen Group. Now, you're going to hear more about that in the, in a minute, but the, the Doyen Group is a group of women entrepreneurs helping other women entrepreneurs, I think is the simplest way to say it. So, Heather, thanks so much for being with me on the show this week. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm delighted you are here. You know, I came to you, I found you because several of my past guests on the show either are or have been members of the Doyen Group or have been affiliated with it in some ways, and they all sing its praises. So talk a little bit about the Doyen Group. What is it exactly? Yeah, well, thank you for that great introduction. It's always great to hear that our entrepreneurs that we're working with speak highly of us. So Doyen founded about 10 and a half years ago in 2012. I met my co-founder, Amy Gannon, at an event here in Madison, Wisconsin called Startup Weekend. And it was really about starting um, starting a new venture. And Amy was one of the organizers and um, my husband was actually one of the organizers as well. So I just kind of came to hang out, meet some other entrepreneurs And we noticed this huge discrepancy in the event attendance where there was 130 participants and only 10 were women. Oh, my. Yeah. And that was including, you know, us us organizers. Oh, wow. So trying to uh, figure out that this, why is this happening? And it can't just be happening in our community, but given, you know, our time and talents because we both had full-time jobs and careers. Um, Amy was also a mom and, you know, we were both, we were both wives, partners, lots of things. It was like, how can we start making a difference and an impact? And that's really where Doyen started as, is how can we just create change within our local community from a grassroots effort? Um, and it's, it's morphed into what it is today and how we impact communities and the entrepreneurs that we work with. Well, so how did you get started? I mean, what were the baby steps you took to get launched? Yeah. So, I mean, I will say that Amy and I would joke, we used to joke that we dated for about six months before we felt comfortable actually launching the venture. Um, We wanted to find out 
Can we work together? What are both of us looking for out of starting the venture? And also, what are our goals within uh, working through this venture? And we always had margarita time. That became like a longstanding <laughs> joke within the organization of like, Heather and Amy need a margarita time. And those were times where we could connect and come back together as co-founders and strategize and bond. Even if there was no margaritas in hand, we would still call it margarita time. But then after that six months, you know, we started thinking, about, okay, let's actually do this. And there's um, a festival here in Madison every August called Forward Fest. And it's, you know, five days all focused on entrepreneurial journeys, events focusing on highlighting entrepreneurs, ways to tell stories, ways to get advice, ways to get connected with investors, other entrepreneurs, people from the business community, um, mostly here in Madison, but also from across Wisconsin and the Midwest region to be able to move your venture forward. So we formally launched at Forward Fest. We did a women in business breakfast that sold out. And at the event, you know, it was really, we used it as like an R&D. So we asked women, what are you seeing in our community? If you woke up one year from now, five years from now, what would you want the community to look like? And how would you be supported from that community? And that was really the validation. And it was overwhelming. And we were like, holy cow, this is actually way bigger than we thought it was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like starting to say, okay, how can we start tackling some of these things that the women identified and moving it forward. There's so many different possibilities. You know, you can do online courses or online events or breakfast or uh, mentoring groups or pitch competition. I mean, you know, there's kind of an endless list of things that could be done. How did you sort through all that and decide which kinds of things would be the most impactful to start out with? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've done a lot of trial and error over the years of let's try new ideas and see how the community responds. And that's also, it's got to ebb and flow as well. So one year it might be people really are looking for that cohort type experience. And then, you know, the next year it might be they want all online learning for a variety of reasons. So trying to meet those needs of the community really come back to us really focusing on what can we do and how can we do it really well, but also not cast such a wide net that we can't do anything well. Right. So that's where it goes back to how do we leverage the other entities or organizations within our community that are also doing similar work and have those partnerships and that ongoing communication, knowing what each other is doing so we can say, this is our secret sauce. This is what we do really great within Doyen. And if what you're looking for might not be what we're able to do. So let me refer you to these other groups. Let me refer you to these other organizations or, you know, let me work with those organizations to say, here's what I'm hearing from people who are coming to Doyen saying what they're looking for to help you level up your offerings as well so that it's meeting the needs of the community even more so. You know, you hit on a point that I think uh, I've become more and more convinced of uh, as I've hosted this radio show now for a little over three years is that there are a few gaps, but a lot of it is finding 
the resources that are all, all the great resources that are out there. How did you start the process of connecting the dots and reaching out to different organizations to find out where all these bits and pieces resided? Mm-hmm. I would say that I have at least one person every couple of months come to me saying, I want to map the ecosystem. I want to map the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And I'm like, go for it because we need it. But also <laughs> like, it's a full-time job because it's changing all the time. And then, you know, the question I always have back is like, well, what do you consider part of the ecosystem? Do you consider someone who is just doing like a one and done event mm-hmm. part of the ecosystem versus someone who is like Joanne doing, you know, full on programming and offerings year round? What is that? Right. Right. To how does it create impact? And that's where it's kind of like, oh, wow, this is, you know. It's hard. (laughs) Well, right. And it it kind of depends on where you are in the journey too. I mean, if you're just starting out, maybe a score mentor would be a good resource. But, you know, if you're ready to do a pitch competition or thinking about pitching to venture capitalists, that's probably not the best fit for people at that point in their journey. And so, and that's where it really comes down to again, having these relationships and partnerships. So when someone comes to me saying exactly that, I don't really need my business model mapped out. So I'm not a prime fit for this organization. What I really need is to develop my pitch to investors because I can't go anywhere until I get my investor dollars. Then I can say, okay, I know who you should go and talk to. Here's how their program works. If it's competitive, how are ways that we can support to get you a more competitive advantage to hopefully get you into the program? But also, you know, sometimes it is still like, let's take a step back. Do you have all these pieces in place before you take that step? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I hear sometimes of like, oh, you're trying to hold me back. From my opinion, I'm always like, I don't feel like I'm trying to hold you back. I'm trying to make sure you can get the yes instead of feeling burnt out even faster because like everybody's just saying no to me right and not understanding why you're hearing the no's because that's something you don't really get a whole lot of when you go and do pitch competitions or speaking to investors you just no pass right Uh, and the question is why and if somebody can help you understand from experience what those triggers are likely to be that cause you to be kicked out early on yeah might be helpful yep when you come to doyen it's usually a you know here's how we can help but also here are other people that can help you as well because it does take every single venture it takes a community it takes more than just that founder or founding team or employees it takes all of us helping support those entrepreneurs to lift them up and make sure their ventures are successful I having those conversations, those hard conversations. Yeah. And some organizations are much more about, hey, I'll take your money or your time and try to pump you up. Others are uh, a little more blunt about their feedback. And actually, I personally think and have founded those people who are willing to bite the bullet and say the unpopular thing, perhaps that just says, you know, look, you really got to do X and Y. Honestly, think about that. Those are the most helpful people. At least they were and have been for me. Yeah. And it's hard as the entrepreneur who is every single day in it, 
no one wants to hear go do more work before you're ready to do what you're trying to do. But I really look at working with the entrepreneurs. It's a relationship and it's a trust and you have to build that relationship and you have to build that trust before you can say those things because you want to be able to come from a stance of I can empathize how I'm adding more to your plate instead of taking something away. Right. But trying to explain and show them how if you go and do this work, it's setting you up for future success that maybe you wouldn't be able to achieve if we just jumped the gate right now with what you're trying to do. It's one of those intangible qualities that in my experience may separate the really good and successful entrepreneurs from the ones who never quite get the traction they're looking for. If you ask for advice, you're going to get lots of advice. Yeah. And if you listen to all of it, you'll spend all of your time trying to redo everything all the time. And that's not sustainable. And there's other entrepreneurs, and I've worked with a couple of clients who are like this, and they were no fun. You know, they're paying you money and you tell them things that they need to do and think about, and they just don't want to hear it. Right. Just don't. It's like water on a duck. They nod, smile, but nothing happens. And walking that fine line, I think is it's really challenging for entrepreneurs, especially because most entrepreneurs are, you know, they're really fond of their idea and they're very vested in it. And they've spent a lot of time and energy and probably money. And, you know, so finding that balance between listening, taking good advice and actually acting on it versus trying to listen to everybody or listening to nobody is, is a fine line. And I, I mean, I tell all of our entrepreneurs when they work with me, when they work with any of our coaches or mentors, the feedback you're going to get, remember that it's that person you're talking to's advice based on the context that they have at the moment. No one knows your business like you know your business. And it's okay for you to say, nope, or I don't think that's a good fit, but do it with respect. And also as the coach or mentor, like, take that feedback as well to be like, okay, they're not willing to go there right now. That's okay. Because basically what you're doing, and I I use this analogy a lot is like, you're telling someone their baby's ugly. (laughs) (laughs) That that is true. You're saying, you know, like, oh, well, maybe if you put the baby in like a cuter outfit, (laughs) it would look better, you know, like, right. Right. That's what you're saying. And that hurts. (laughs) And That's what I feel like is a way to get across to people, even if you think you're coming from the most approachable and helpful to that entrepreneur, no one wants to hear go do more or go do better or change these things and then you'll be. So yeah, that's, that's a hard one on both sides to work through. But again, it just goes back to trust and relationship building. Yeah. I had one guest who told me, you know, when she got a piece of advice, she didn't really act on it right away. But if she started to hear two, three different people saying kind of the same thing, she basically said, that's my cue. I need to stop and really look in the mirror and think about this because there's probably something going on here that I need to think through and maybe do a little differently. And that's great advice. I mean, I tell that to my entrepreneurs, especially when we're doing pitch practice, you know, 
as you're getting questions and feedback at the end of your pitch, are they asking the questions you wanted them to ask? So is your pitch leading them down a path and you're trying to get them to see the same vision that you're painting? Um, Or if you're hearing the same questions, again, yeah, exactly what you said. Is this a product or offering I should really be considering? Or this is what my target market is telling me to do. Why am I not doing it? What do I have to change? How did you come up with the name Doyen? Oh, it's a funny story. Um, Amy and I were actually, you know, going back and forth about what we wanted to call the group. And as much as, you know, the organization is all about supporting women and um, historically marginalized genders, we didn't want it to sound too girly or too feminine. (laughs) People were like, oh, you should call it Flourish. And they had all these like flowery type things. And we were both just like, no, and no (laughs) either. Like we didn't identify as the pink and flowery girls. We were like, we are strong, independent, audacious women. I don't want to even be considered a girl. I'm a woman. And there's a lot that comes with that. So I was actually on like dictionary.com. So I was looking up is using the thesaurus feature for what are other words for feminism or flowers that felt more, I can hold myself and stand up tall. And doyen was the word of the day. So when you went to the website, it would show a word of the day. And I was like, oh my God, I think this is it. Yeah, <laughs> so great. After, you know, taking a picture, taking a screenshot of it and texting it over to Amy going, I think I found our name. What do you think? I'm watching the chat bubbles appear and disappear, appear and disappear. And I'm like, is she going to not like it? And then like, it was just a resounding all caps. Yes, I love it. This is us. This is a name we can get behind. And so it was that moment that we were like, all right, this is us. This is our brand. And, you know, it stands for a senior, most prominent woman in their field. And we've really recoined the term to me and, I don't know if I can say badass. <laughs> you could say that. Okay. As as a badass woman entrepreneur. So, you know, again, that picture in our mind of someone standing tall, holding their head high, not taking crap from anyone and, and doing what needs to be done to make sure that they and their venture can move forward. I love that story. How did you fund the organization, at least initially, and is is that still the same model you're using? Right. So we are a 501c3 nonprofit. You know, when we first started, we were fully funded by donations and sponsorships. Oh, wow. It's an early day venture. So Amy and I were working for free. It wasn't until like year five, I finally started getting a paycheck from Doyen. And then year six, Amy came in full time within the organization. So as a nonprofit, we get a lot of questions around like, why should we have to pay for your programming when you're a nonprofit? Well, little known secret, you can still have revenue streams <laughs> even as a nonprofit. Nonprofits have a lot, if they're doing a lot of work, they often have a lot of expenses too. So right. we are I mean, a business, just like a for-profit. To do the pro- programs, you need to... I cater meals and I, there's a lot of expenses with organizing events or or doing anything. Yeah. Sponsorship money comes and goes, you know, when you first start, you are the flashy hot thing on the scene. 
Three years later, not so much. So, you know, building revenue streams off of just a sponsorship platform does not work. Really? I'm surprised at that. Our funding really, I mean, we still get sponsorships. We still get grants and we still get individual donors, but it's equal to people paying for coming through programming and offerings that we have. Now, what that sponsorship and all those other you know, contributions from partners really does is it offsets what it would actually cost an entrepreneur if we were charging full market value for our programming. So that's where we're able to offer things at the lowest price point possible so that we, we have always wanted price not to be a hindrance to be able to come through Doyen's offerings. So that supports being able to do that. We do payment plans for anything that has a fee associated with it, but also just working with the entrepreneur as to, we want to make sure that you're able to get what you need, but also look at this as it's an investment in yourself and your company when you pay for our services and our experiences. It's not just a transactional relationship like yeah. at Target or somewhere else. You know, I seem to recall that at one point you were supported through people buying annual memberships, but now it's more event fee based or am I, am I mixed up on that? You're you're correct. We used to have a membership model. We got rid of that um, this year in 2022. I'll be honest. I was never a big fan of the membership model. I thought it was very much pay to play. It became like, here's the bar for entry for the organization. And then we had to create all these different pricing models for if you're a member, you get further discounts versus if you're not a member. And it it just felt icky to me. Getting rid of that membership, while it was a loss in revenue, we're able to make it up through showing our community, like, here's how we've created more opportunities for more people to be able to get support through the organization by not having this, Uh, but which turns into higher revenues and returns for the organization in the long run. It's nice because people can then look at your different offerings and events and decide what makes the most sense for them personally and keeps those individual events very affordable, at least from what I saw. Talk about some of the key activities and events that you have. Yeah. So our signature program, is our triple threat venture training. So this is a 20 week, as much as I don't like using the word accelerator, it's like an accelerator experience. And the reason I hesitate around using that word is when most people think about an accelerator, it means drop literally everything in your life. Usually you need to move to a different area and all you're gonna do for the duration of that program is work on your business. With triple threat, we really look at it as As an entrepreneur, that's only one of the hats you wear or one of the identities you wear all throughout your day and and your life. So we've built out the program to really fit within what are those other hats that you're wearing and that you don't have to solely be focused on business development. You can still be running your business day to day or working that other job that you have to be able to support you being able to launch your business or be a, you know, a parent, caretaker, whatever those other um, responsibilities you have to be able to create the life that you want, all go into account so that you're only putting in about three to four hours a week 
through oh, that, wow. throughout that 20 weeks. That's very manageable. Now, at what stage are most of the people, I mean, some of these programs, you can come in with a concept and really not much more. Others, people ha- are much closer to revenue or maybe already have some revenue. What is your program focused on? Yeah, so we're really focused on that that early stage or emerging stage company. So you've gotten through the proof of concept. You've identified you know, what your MVP is or what your first product or offering is and you've started taking it to market. Usually the companies that I see that have the best experience overall when they come through Doyen is, okay, I'm kind of starting to hit walls now with how do I grow this? So maybe it's, I've taken this product or service as far as I can, given my skills and um, knowledge base. I need others to come in now to help me take it to the next level. That's our sweet spot. That's where we can leverage our community, our access to resources, the way that we approach working with entrepreneurs to help them create a strategic plan for action steps to be measurable action steps to be able to move them into that next phase of growth um, and success. Well, beyond the triple threat program, what are some of the other typical or key services and events that you offer? Yeah. So we do our ISO learning. This was, you know, we launched ISO learning program in 2020, right after lockdown. So right after March in 2020, when COVID really became the full on pandemic (laughs) and ISO, everybody thinks ISO is short for in search of. And I was like, oh yeah, I could do that way. But we were looking at it more as- I thought it was International Standards Organization. Like ISO ISO 13001 or ISO 9001. And that's what I thought you meant. Well, it actually is for isolated. Oh. You know, you kicked off our program talking about sometimes the entrepreneurial journey feels like such a lonely experience. 100%. I hear that every single day. And so ISO is short for isolated. So how can we still create workshops and programming where you're learning something and you don't feel by yourself? So once a month, we do a program that highlights Everything, everything from like how to form an LLC to how to establish IP, how to set up your books and accounting, how to do projections, cap tables, to how to, you know, handle your mental health when you're in these different phases of entrepreneurship. And we do them, you know, over Zoom. Anyone, anywhere can join in these webinars. They're free to anybody as well. But then we also record them and we put them on our learning lab. Our learning lab, you know, we call it like Netflix for entrepreneurs. (laughs) It has over, um, I think it's close to 90 offerings. Wow. Webinars, courses, podcast episodes that either we've created or we've worked in partnership with other organizers or businesses to create detailed Here's content knowledge that you're going to need as you run your business and through the different phases of your business. When people do pieces for the learning lab, the facilitators all must agree to anyone who watches the program on the learning lab or listens to it. If they reach out, they will get one, at least one hour of free support. Oh, wow. So you're able to, you know, like, I want to learn about, you know, IP, intellectual property for my business. So I'm going to go watch the webinar. 
And then I'm going to reach out to Stephanie and here are my questions for that. And Stephanie will take that meeting and talk to you with no fees or no like sales pitch that you need to become a client. Now, as we know, there's like gray area within that, especially when you're working with lawyers and accountants as to what is client privilege. Right. Um, but mostly, you know, they'll, they'll answer your questions unless it gets too detailed, like, well, I'm actually going up against this other company and I need to know how to keep myself safe. And it's like, whoa, 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 then we're going to need a, co- a client agreement. In place. Right, right, right. <laughs> but that's where, you know, and then the other part with, especially with ISO learning and the learning lab is not everybody's in the same phase as your business and not everybody is available at 1 p.m. Central time on the second Thursday of the month right. when the webinar happens. So you can go and watch these whenever, you know, might be 10 p.m. when you're finally able to sit down and like, okay, now I can process this information or 5 a.m. if that's when your key time is or six months from now because you're like, IP means nothing to me right now. But in six months, oh my gosh, now I need to know. How right. To so right. that's really where that comes from. And we see, you know, huge attendance on those pieces, either through the showing up live or watching them at a later time so that they're able to process it at a rate that they're able to and come back to it and re- and even watch it again. Yeah. Those were key. That's Those are our big ones. We also do one-on-one coaching. It used to be you could sign up with any of our Doyen coaches. All of our coaches go through a training process um, for how to work with our entrepreneurs and they have to pass it before they're able to meet with our entrepreneurs. What we were learning though was that people wanted to meet with Doyen staff first. So uh, that's become the new the new way of coaching of when you sign up, you're only able to meet with me or one of the other staff members first, and then we'll open up additional calendars to our other coaches. Gotcha. Then, you also get to work with the coach during that whole program. As well. How do people become mentors? How do you match entrepreneurs with your coaches or mentors? Talk a little more about that aspect of your program. Yeah. So we have on the website, um, there's a coach or mentor application and anyone can fill that out. Our coaches and mentors, you know, don't have to just identify as woman or female to be able to work with the entrepreneurs. So they fill out that form and on that form, they, you know, check boxes or write in what their areas of expertise are. And then when their application goes through the review process, I usually will schedule, you know, a 15 to 20 minute phone chat with them or Zoom call to just get to know them a little bit more and understand, have they worked with entrepreneurs before? Because working with entrepreneurs is very different than working with, you know, a typical corporate employee. (laughs) Um, A lot of times what I'll hear from the entrepreneurs is like, I've worked with a coach at a different organization. And when I said, how am I supposed to pay for these things? Like, build out of their product line or build out of their tech. And they've heard from coaches like, well, just move money in your budget. And the entrepreneur like, I don't have money in my budget. What's that? Right. (laughs) And so that's the important part of having that initial conversation of like, do you understand what working with the entrepreneur is like? But then, as I mentioned before the break, all of our coaches go through a training. Our mentors, um, they have a virtual virtual webinar. It's, so it's a condensed version of the training because the mentors are just like a pop-in, talk, support, and then pop back out where the coaches are more building a relationship. And oh, so there's a difference different. between a mentor and a coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, the mentor is like a, 
They're the cheerleader that comes in, gives you suggestions, and then pops back out and cheerleads from the sideline. Ah. The coach is someone that you're working with. You're having, you know, conversations that are probably not typical. I would tell you this on a first time meeting you conversation. So maybe into more deeper information within the company and to try to figure out how does it all work and how do we create what comes next? So are, are your coaches compensated in any way or they're all volunteers? They're all volunteer and they know that going in. So a lot of our coaches, you know, thankfully through their jobs that they have, they're able to have volunteer hours within the community. Ah, so, great. And some of them actually get paid by their employer. So they have like work comp programs that if you go and volunteer. It's essentially a form of a sponsorship then. Exactly. Yeah. And we can use all of that in-kind time towards some of our sponsorships and grants that we've been awarded through various organizations. So all of our coaches at the end of the year, we send them a form with, can you calculate your hours at your hour? You know, what would be your hourly rate? If you don't know your hourly rate, here's the going rate in Wisconsin and sign this letter and send it back to us because we can submit all of those for in-kind sponsorship and donation to the organization. Yeah, for sure. You have seen a lot of entrepreneurs over the past, what, 10 plus years? Yep. What are some of the most common mistakes you see? So some of the biggest mistakes I see is... The entrepreneurs hold themselves back. And I think a lot of times they do it unknowingly. Oh, you got to talk about this. This is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> I'm dying to hear your perspective on it. So talk about some of the ways people hold yeah. themselves back. So let me preface with my professional background is actually elementary education. That's what I went to school for. So I have a, you know a lot of studying and research into how does the brain form in those early years? And I really think how we behave in society as, as women really happens while we're still in utero. Even from what colors we're supposed to wear once we're born down to what are acceptable toys for us to play with, those are all setting the stage as to yeah. what society thinks being a woman looks like. And anytime you push back, you're going to get labeled. I was just reading and actually I did a segment on my last show about the tall poppy syndrome. You know, you need a nice field of poppies. And if a poppy gets too tall, it's time to cut it down to size. Mm -hmm. I have a poster up here in the office that says, in a field of roses, be a wildflower. Ah, well, that's a little different take, but the same idea. Same thing. Like the point is... You know, it goes back to why we have the name within the organization, why the tagline is be audacious. I love it because it's a, you know, being audacious is, uh, it can mean two things. It can mean being bold and brave and standing up for what you believe in. And it can also mean pushing boundaries. Right. Taking and risks. Can, yep. And um, making people potent- feel uncomfortable. Potentially t- uh, attracting unflattering right. comments. I mean, Yep. All of those things, you know, as a woman entrepreneur, you're trying to overcome all of those societal norms that are saying you are worth 10 times whatever you're asking for. You deserve it. 
And you should be putting that ask out there. You're saying you are the best and you're the most competent person to be able to do this. And you have to exude that confidence. You have to do it in a space and command attention and control of the space that you're in and the work that you're doing, which is not what we're told and taught to do. Uh, Okay. So circling back to your original comment that entrepreneurs hold themselves back, Mm -hmm. how does that reflect itself in women as entrepreneurs or with their business? It's an identity shift. So unless you've been taught how to do those things, those are things you're, you're trying to overcome. And that's where you hold yourself back. Even if you are the most confident woman that you know, you still have self-doubts and you still have a voice probably inside of you that's saying, who do you think you are? So like you're holding yourself back because you're trying to overcome that voice in your head that's saying, why you? Right. And so that's where I feel like that's how we hold ourselves back because we start listening to that voice and, you know, back to it's isolating. You feel by yourself. You don't have others telling you you're worth this. You You know, this resonates so much because one of the things I talked about on my last show was how much more difficult it is, even as a woman and, you know, a former entrepreneur. So it's not like I don't speak the language or I don't have some ability to relate, but how much more difficult it has been to get women gifts on the show. I am more likely to be ghosted by women entrepreneurs. I'm more likely to have nice conversations, but never be able to get on their calendar for the interview. I'm much more likely to get canceled on at the last minute. What is going on? You know, and it almost never happens with men. Almost never. Oh, no, their their story is worth hearing. (laughs) Right. It's just as important as our story. It's just important as every woman's story, no matter what. Right. So what I there's either something going on, either there's fear or apprehension about putting yourself out there or a feeling you don't deserve it or a feeling that self-promotion is not what you do or that it's not important. I'm, I'm really a little baffled to be honest with you, but I want to dig into it because I think therein is the heart of some of the issues that we women face as entrepreneurs. Yeah. I think that everything that you said are things that we all hear inside of our, our own heads about why me instead of, you know, this person. And I don't think that the average male has those same thoughts. I think that, you know, that some do don't get me wrong. I think that, right. And I think some women have no problem saying I deserve to. Right. Right. Just as anybody else. Right. But more likely than not. And, you know, let's face it, the males that I'm reaching out to are for the most part are entrepreneurs. So they're not necessarily a typical slice of the male population or, or people in general, but I I'm just been amazed at the number of, of entrepreneurs who are male who come on the show. And when you start digging down to what they've been doing, they don't have very much, <laughs> but you know, they've puffed it up and made it into something big when they initially chat about it. It sounds amazing. And they have, they're absolutely unabashed about selling it as, you know, just the most amazing thing. And at the other end of the spectrum, there are these women who have 
phenomenal ideas, phenomenal concept and have really thought things through and they're like, yeah, well, I don't, I'm not really ready for prime time yet. You know, it's, it's quite interesting. I think there's been, there's been numerous studies that have been done around, you know, side-by-side job applications where one has a woman's name and one has a man's name and how the man's will get the job faster, even faster than the woman's. And it's definitely goes to what is also like seen as certain ethnicities and racial names as well. Yep. There's been studies done around, you know, investment where they'll have a male come in and deliver a pitch for a company and a female will come in and deliver the exact same word for word pitch. And the man is more likely to receive the funding. Yeah. They'll have questions around, is she ready yet? And oh, right. she goes and shows me we talk a lot in Doyen, we refer that a lot to like, are you checking the boxes? So with, right. if there's a list of 10 things that need to be done before you're ready to go to market, what we typically see, and this comes across in this research too, is like, if men can check three, they're ready to go. Women are looking for, uh, I have eight, probably. yeah. And when I have box number nine, then maybe I'll be ready Right. to go and right. talk to people about it. Right. Right. That's that those are those gender biases that we're trying to overcome and trying to address. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot harder. I mean, this isn't going to be fixed in the next couple of years. It's going to take decades because it's going to take generational thought and also all of us taking steps and acknowledging that we're doing these things to make this change happen. Right. And the thing that I thought was interesting, but it absolutely resonated with my own personal experience, is that when I was doing research about the tall poppy syndrome, the people doing the cutting down were as likely to be women, other women as men. And I think there are so many ways. I don't want to get way off into the weeds of, uh, you know, psychology and gender stereotypes, but I think there are a lot of ways we women don't fully support each other that we may not be completely aware of too. Yeah. I'm, when we first started doing and we're starting to seek mentors and coaches, um, we were reaching out to people and we were mostly asking women. Um, a lot of women were like, yes, I want to be able to help because I don't want people to have to face the same challenges I did. And we got a, you know, a number of people that also came back with, I figured out how to do it on my own. And I figured out what type of person I had to be to make it happen. Why can't they do it themselves? And it's kind of, you know, if we go back to using the corporate ladder analogy of only, you know, we're all climbing that ladder, no matter what position we are in. Two men enter, one man leave kind of thing. Right. And it's, but it's also looking at as you know, our ladder isn't, we don't have to just think of it as only one person can climb it at the time. There might be, rung might be big enough to have two or three people on the same step. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't have to be a zero sum game all the time. Yeah. Because of the pandemic, I know more of your events have become virtual. I'm curious about a couple things is it more difficult to feel like part of the community when you're just there for an event or two, as opposed to raising your hand and saying, I'm a full-fledged member? I don't think so. When I look at our impact numbers for this year, they're right on par to where they have been in past years when we had membership. 
if not higher, because of that, you know, again, like I mentioned as to why we got rid of membership, not having that pay to play type model. Yeah. So people feel like I don't have to put up this upfront expense to then be able to have these other opportunities. I, I look at all of our programming and offerings as very circular. So they all feed into each other. And no matter where you're coming in, there's other ways to keep continuing through that circle. There's also like, we used to have a roadmap. <laughs> it was the funniest graphic we ever had. But you know, like we had on-ramps and off-ramps for <laughs> how you come in and come out of Doyen. And it was also built for if you're not an entrepreneur, how do you on-ramp and off-ramp? Um, and there's wow. still those pieces. There's still like anyone can get on the cycle or the circle of ways to support. And so that's where it's like, you might come to Doyen through an ISO learning and find, hey, you know what? I have a lot of knowledge. I want to lead an ISO learning. Or you might come in through, you know, triple threat and be like, okay, this was a great first step. The learning teams is my next step to keep that community going of other women entrepreneurs to support me going forward. So that's where whatever way you come into Doyen, there's still ways to keep going. But then we also know that you're going to plateau out of Doyen. And that's Uh where you can become a coach or a mentor. But also we want to make sure you have the next level of resources to move to, which goes back again to that community, you know, touch point on how do we work across not just the Wisconsin ecosystem, but the Midwest and national ecosystem to be like, here's where ventures like yours usually go next. Yeah. Well, that's the other piece that occurred to me. Initially, you were really very focused on maybe Dane County and Madison or greater Wisconsin, but to the extent that you have a virtual library and virtual events, you could attract people who hear about you from all over the place. So is Doyen still focused on Wisconsin or do you see it becoming kind of more regional or even national or global? Yeah. So in 2018, we had revamped the strategy again and we were starting to build out Doyen chapters. So what does a Doyen chapter city look like? And so in 2019, we piloted Doyen Milwaukee. And so we have Madison and Milwaukee had their own Doyen chapters where programming was happening in each of those communities. Then, so one thing I haven't mentioned is at the end of 2019, um, my co-founder Amy was actually involved in a tragic helicopter crash with her daughter and passed away um, while they were on Christmas vacation. I'm so sorry. Thank you. So we came back, you know, with, oh my gosh, we just lost half of the executive leadership within the organization. Three months later, pandemic happens. So wow, talk about a couple of body blows. Yeah, we're still in the middle of like heavy grief and trying to dig out what comes next. And then, hey, guess what? You know, our offices are basically closed and we need to figure out how do we keep this going? (laughs) So <laughs> it is a classic case of pivoting. Uh, yes. pivoting right? <laughs> we were live time figuring it out. And, you know, those close to the organization saw it happening <laughs> day to day. But I will say that the silver lining with pandemic is we had to go virtual and we have had to figure out how do we create this space 
where we can hit entrepreneurs where they're at when they need it most. And still without having those in-person interactions, hear and understand what they're looking for. I've continued, even though, you know, many things have gone back to in-person this year or people are adapting a blended model, which I'm starting to explore more of, but trying to figure out how do we create an actual equitable blended model where virtual and in-person have a same experience. Right. That's hard. And so that's why I've chosen to not offer an in-person option right now. Exactly to your point, what I'm able to do is hit entrepreneurs from not just my local community, right? Everywhere, right? At a fraction of what it costs to the organization to be able to have even just the two cities up and running, you know? Right. I mean, your ability to scale at least certain offerings is much bigger. So, kind of leads to my next question: Is where do you see Doyen in? maybe three to five years. Ooh, you got me doing deep thought blank stare right now. Because- <laughs> Fortunately, we cannot see you doing that. <laughs> we cannot see your jaw dropping to your desk at this point. So, you know, you can make something up and yeah, I'll I mean, believe you. Please don't hold me to it. But, you know, like, I, I, I honestly don't know. You know, when I'm working with the entrepreneurs, even right now and towards the end of 2022, I'm telling them that we're, I still feel like our economy is at this unstable point. We don't know. I don't know if a recession is actually going to happen because the economists keep changing their mind. Right. So when you're planning your business, I'm telling them to still only really be thinking about six, 12, maybe 18 months from now. So three to five years, a lot can happen. In well, yeah, to add to that, I'm not even sure that we fully processed all the implications of the pandemic. And I, certainly one of the things that has happened is the number of people interested in entrepreneurship has picked up. Yeah. Certainly more women than men proportionally have left the workforce, at least temporarily. We don't know if it's permanent or not. You know, certainly the other thing is the demographics of people starting businesses. Women are starting businesses at a much higher rate than men. And actually women of color are the last study I saw was said that women of color are starting more businesses than any other demographic. So I'm not sure what that quite means either. You know? Yeah. I think that this is where, you know, especially in 2020, everybody kept saying, I just want to go back to 2019. And I, part of me understood what they meant because we felt comfortable in 2019 of knowing like I can be out in the world living my quote unquote normal life. What happened through the pandemic and I think is still happening and repercussions happening are there's no going back. We are developing a new normal and that new normal needs to look different because if we want to see more gaps closed as far as equity and sustainability and um, just overall success for everybody, we cannot keep operating at what our society looked like in 2019. There needs to be super big overhauling changes. We've identified a ton of systems that don't work from every single level within our society. Right. And they've been thrown in our face. And instead of being thrown in my face, like here's one or two a year, 
it's like one or two a week. Yeah. <laughs> right. And all of these things are extrapolated when you're like, but I didn't really, you know, now we're, now we're moving into the new normal, but I didn't have any time to process all of right. that trauma, everything that I've gone through for the past right. 18, 24 months. Right. And I don't, you know, I don't even know if there's agreement that it's the new normal. I don't, um, I don't you know, some people think that some people think, well, we're already back to where we were. And I think some people are like, well, wait, we don't even have agreement on what the new normal should look like, or it does look like. So I agree with you. I think there's still a lot of mm, debate, work, tension. I don't know uh, yeah, your word about what that looks like. That's where it's like, what does three to five years for Doyen look like? I don't know. I don't even know if I'll be in this position anymore. You know, like that's the other. Oh, but you know, it's what we ask our poor entrepreneurs. We want them in their business plan to put that together. So again, just don't hold me to it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Heather, I knew the hour would fly by. I feel like you're somebody I could probably chat with for another hour or two hours. And I would love nothing more at some point to sit down over a real life cup of coffee with you. And hopefully I'll get a chance to do that. But if people are interested in knowing more about the Doyen Group or some of the events and the amazing library that you have, or maybe connecting with you to talk about being a coach or a mentor, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So if you go to doyangroup.org, a lot of the information is up there. Anyone can email me. It's heather at thedoyangroup.com is my email. Send me an email. Let me know what you'd like to learn more about. We do an info session once a month on the third Wednesday of every month at noon central time. Anyone can register for against free, come learn about all of our offerings, how to get more involved, ask your questions. If you can't come at that time, we also do record it and it is on the learning lab and anyone can access that. We're on Facebook. We don't really post on Twitter anymore, but we do have a Twitter account, Instagram and LinkedIn at Doyen Group is our uh, username. And you're welcome to follow along and we do have a newsletter mailing list for learning about events. And then once a month, we do our Brick by Brick, which is our digital publication that's all focusing on how do we transform the narrative around what does entrepreneurship look like? I subscribe to it and I will attest. It's a really done publication. So check that out, folks. Heather, thanks so much for being with me this week. It was really a delight having you. Thank you so much for having me. And it was so nice talking. Well, likewise, and thanks to all my listeners. You are the reason I do this every week. I want to encourage all of you out there to check out my new YouTube channel dedicated to the Savvy Entrepreneur. It's called the Savvy Entrepreneur Radio Show. And there you will find all sorts of past episodes of shows. It is a library full of amazing guests with amazing stories telling about their journey from the heart and also sharing some of their best free advice. So I guarantee if you listen to some of the shows, you'll be inspired. You'll learn some tips. The shows are available for download. Please like, comment on your favorite shows 
and be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified of every single new episode that's posted there. I welcome comments and questions. Reach out to me. My email is dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. Be sure to join me again next week. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.